This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. If you want to grab your Bibles and turn there. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there are always going to be some uh, here for you to have. Uh, There's some in the back, uh, some, some Bibles you could grab. We always have some out in the lobby. Uh, on the the table out there, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. I'm going to move this a little bit, otherwise I will probably hit it. Um, And, uh, wow, nope, it's it's all kind of, what what do I do here? Let's go one more twist. There you go, that works, right? Cool. Mark chapter 1, let's read together. Starting in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Read that verse again. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further... He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. I did a little Google search um, today on the the word, the definition of allegiance. Not because I didn't know what it meant, but I I wanted to be credible, and Google always has the right answer, right? Um, And so... The the word allegiance means a full devotion or loyalty to a person, group, or cause. The full devotion or loyalty to a person, group, or cause. We've been taught from the time we were little, right? I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, meaning that our, our devotion, our loyalty when it comes to country is first and foremost to this country. And if we violate that loyalty, the, the word that comes with that is treason, right? So the word allegiance is a, a full devotion to something and violation of that allegiance is, another word, is treason, unfaithfulness. Here's what we have to do today. In John 14, Jesus claims that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes into a relationship with the Father except through Jesus. Jesus is a real historical figure. He wasn't some imaginary being. He he was a historical figure. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you're a religious person or not, um, there's no questioning like, man, was there a Jesus of Nazareth who lived and died and was crucified on a Roman cross and buried? Like That is a real historical figure. And and C.S. Lewis gives us the, the argument that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. That the claims that Jesus makes, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, either he is a liar and he's just fabricating this massive lie, or he is out of his mind and thinks that he is, but he isn't really, or he is actually Lord and who he says he is. 
And what we have to do is we have to do something with this person of Jesus. We have to either give him our allegiance or not. There's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. We either surrender all to him, and these are no longer just words of a song that we sing with the catchy melody, or was that the right word? Melody? Harmony? Both? Great. Okay. They're not just words that we sing, but they're actually our, our pledge of allegiance to Jesus. There, there's no middle ground. And so as we, as we read and we look at Mark chapter 1 today, as you sit and, and, and you're here, and, and so, I mean, now's your chance, right? If you don't want to hear this, then now's your chance. We'll pray and you can sneak out, although Brandon's in the back. We have to do something with this. We can't claim ignorance. We can't claim, I didn't know. Um, we've got to do something here. So I want to pray for us. I want to invite you to pray. And as you pray, would you... Ask yourself and really let God speak to you, where is your allegiance? Where is your allegiance? Who is it to? What is it to? What do you hold as ultimate and most supreme? Let's pray. God, you, um, you're, you're here. You're not just uh, in heaven, distant, far away, but you are, are here. And you are right now speaking to us by your spirit, through your word. And you are inviting us to surrender all to you, either as the first time where we follow you or really just a, a, a renewal, a, a re-surrendering, a, a re-examining of our heart and what holds our allegiance. And so speak to us today. Right now, would you impress on our minds, our hearts, our spirits, deep in our soul, what commands our allegiance Who is supreme? Who, who is ruling over our lives and hearts? Would you speak to us now? And Jesus, we ask. Amen. So Mark writes in verse 14, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. He gives us a little bit of timeline here that that what takes place from Mark 1.14 through the rest of Mark is after John the Baptist was, was arrested. Um, most guess that there was about a 12-month time period from, when, from, from verse 13 to verse 14. That, that there was a time where we see in, in John chapters 1 through most of 4, we see what's recorded in that 12-month time period. What, what we see, though, here really is that it was after John the Baptist was arrested, the, the forerunner, the, the, the opener for Jesus, that Jesus finally steps to center stage to full authority and leadership. 
Simon, um, over, that we'll see in the next verses over here, in verses uh, 16, um, I'm sorry, not Simon, Andrew. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. We see this in John chapter 1, that, that Andrew's having a conversation with JTB, and Jesus walks by, and John goes, that is the Lamb of God. I knew this was going to be trouble. I almost tripped. John is talking to Andrew and says, that is the son of God, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew at that point is like, hey, John, I'm going to go explore this Jesus guy a little bit. And so what's happening in this, why this is significant is, is John is, is now in prison, is no longer having a ministry, and, and some of his disciples are now choosing, am I giving my full allegiance to Jesus at this point? Am I going to follow him and him only as my my master, right? So that's why this is significant because it's, it's now the, the final prophet, the final one Jesus is here and he's calling for allegiance from all and some of these early disciples are, are in that place of like, are we all in or not? Is that what's gonna happen here? And so Jesus, he comes in to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So again, we have to do something with this. You, you, you and I, you're here, and, and you didn't leave during the prayer. I took a peek. I didn't see anybody leave. You're here. You, we've got to decide, do I believe Jesus? Like, do I really believe him? And when I'm talking believe, I'm not just talking a cognitive, like, yes, I believe that Jesus is real, but I'm talking a do you, do you trust him? And does your life follow him as king and as Lord? That is what we have to give answer to today. So Jesus is on the scene and he's, it's kind of his inaugural speech, right? It's his, it's his first public sermon since John the Baptist has been put in prison. And so it's just Jesus, right? And he's giving his inaugural speech. What is his platform? What's his message? He's proclaiming the gospel of God. His focus, the focus of Jesus is to, is to communicate, is to preach the gospel of God. And he says the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so when I read this, I don't know if, what questions you ask, but I, I initially ask two questions. One, what is the gospel of God? If this is what Jesus is really, that's his main point of his sermon is the gospel of God, well then what the heck is it? And then two, what is the invitation that Jesus is giving us here? What does it mean to repent and believe in the gospel? Those are the first two questions I ask. And then the third question we'll get to that we see in verses 16 to 20 is, okay, now what does that look like for someone to, like in real life, a real person, repent and believe the gospel? The first question, though, what, what is the gospel of God? This is the main focus of Jesus. So what is it? What is the gospel of, of God? Let's remember the, what the word gospel means. The word gospel is not purely a Christian word. It, it simply means a message of good news. It was a message that someone could come in and proclaim the gospel of Rome's victory. Good news, Rome won. Right? Like our boys are coming home. Like there's good news. It, it is a message of good news that brings joy and happiness to a person. So when Jesus says this is the gospel of God, he's expecting that this message about God 
will bring us happiness and joy. If there's not a happiness and joy, then either it's a false gospel or we're missing it. Like we're not fully understanding what this gospel is because the, the word gospel means it is a good message. Happiness and joy would come to the, the hearer. And so Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of, of God. I want to I give an overview of what the gospel is that, that kind of shapes how we interpret these verses. So if you're, if you're trying to learn, like, okay, how do I communicate the gospel? There's, there's four words I would give you as a summary of the gospel, and it goes from Genesis to Revelation. Creation, sin, Jesus, response. Creation, sin, Jesus, response. In the beginning, God created the world and everything within it. And Adam and Eve, humanity, walked in perfect relationship with God. They walked in his presence. Everything was good and right. But then we've believed the lie of the devil, and we've all chosen to go our own way. The Bible calls that sin. Walking away from God's plan and choosing our own. This separates us from our relationship with God. It puts an obstacle of enmity in between us and God. And so Jesus came to fix what we broke. He came to remove the obstacle of sin so that we could be reconciled back into a relationship with God. And we all are given the invitation to respond to that message, to repent and believe. That is the gospel. God created us for a relationship with him, we sinned and walked away. Jesus came to fix what we broke. Do you believe him? Do you trust and surrender him to him? So Jesus gives further definition of the gospel by saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Central to the gospel of God, central to the message, is that the kingdom of God has come to earth the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is here and we're all invited to give our allegiance to him. We don't see a lot in this message of like what is the characteristics of God's kingdom. We see that throughout the rest of Mark. We see that in the gospels. What does it look like to, to be in the kingdom of God? We see that through the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. Like That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what it looks like to live in his kingdom. Jesus is coming here and he is saying, I am the king, I am here, give your allegiance to me. It's that initial message of, of invitation. And we don't, we don't live in a kingdom here. Like most of what we know about a kingdom comes from an HBO show or, you know, something on Netflix that we watch or, or the, the prince, what's his name, you know, that, that's married to what's her name. Um, you know who I'm talking about. They're in the news right now. Um, I just know their pictures, but I couldn't tell you either of their names. Um, like that's what we think, that's, that's about all we know of as a kingdom, right? What we've read. And so what we've seen from Netflix or what we've seen from, you know, read in books is that a kingdom involves a king, right? You don't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. A king who is at the top of the org chart and gives rule and a way of life to the people. A kingdom involves victory over an enemy. And a kingdom involves a people 
who submit to and walk in the way of the king. You take out any one of those three things and you, you no longer have a kingdom. Right? If, an, if another enemy comes in and removes the king, then that kingdom is no more. Right? The kingdom of Mark is done if he's now been removed and the enemy has, has won. If you've got a people who don't submit to or follow, you've just got a, an illusional person. This, like, like they're, out of, they're out of their mind. They don't, that's not a kingdom. You have to have all three of these, these factors in order for a kingdom to exist. For hundreds of years, it's important to, to understand the kingdom talk because for hundreds of years, the people of Israel have been waiting for a new king to come in and overthrow the enemy Rome and establish a new physical kingdom. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God makes a promise to King David, to a literal king with a literal kingdom. He says, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. God promises David that your throne, it will be established, your kingdom will be established forever. But what we know from history is that from the time of David to Mark chapter 1, there was hundreds of years in which that kingdom was demolished. That kingdom did not exist. And so if you're listening to this message, you're thinking, hot dog. We've been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years for the king to come, the Messiah to come, and for him to overthrow Rome and to put us back at the top, to establish a kingdom for us. And so Jesus is speaking to their hearts, their desires for, for freedom, for life. But, but so many of the hearers of this day never found this kingdom because they were looking for a kingdom of this world. They were looking for a kingdom that fit within geographical lines. They were looking for a kingdom that was based around a nationality and the kingdom that Jesus was bringing was so much bigger and vaster and wider and deeper than that kingdom. And praise God, because if that was the kingdom Jesus came to bring, you and I living in the United States of America would not be a part of this kingdom. This kingdom that would have been in Israel if the kingdom Jesus came to bring was based on a nationality, I'm not Jewish. I'm betting the majority of us aren't. We would be on the outside looking in. But the kingdom that Jesus came to bring was not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. He came to bring in a new kingdom that was spiritual and was much greater than physical boundaries or nationality. And in his kingdom, everyone was invited in. The Bible teaches that there are two kingdoms in this world. And only two kingdoms. And that every single human being is living in the rule and reign of one of these two kingdoms. That, that means you and me too. One is the kingdom of God where Jesus is king and allegiance to him is the way of life and abundant life. The other kingdom is the kingdom of self where we think we are king, but in reality, 
the devil is king, and it is the path of death and destruction. That's what the Bible teaches, is that there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of God where Jesus is king and allegiance is given to him, or the kingdom of self where really the the devil is king and And we're just deceived to think that we have our own autonomy and choice in things. And it leads to the way of death. The world began, as we said, in creation with God's kingdom on earth. Heaven comes down and creates earth. God's kingdom was here on earth. It's how it began. But then an enemy approached that kingdom. And this enemy in Isaiah 14 had already been defeated by God. He could not overthrow the king. And so his approach then was to go after the people of God. If this enemy could take out the people of God, they no longer submitted to God as king, then the kingdom still falls, remember? Three things in a kingdom. A king, victory over the enemy, and a people. Well, the devil knows he can't defeat the king. He's already been beaten. So now he's going after the people. If he can remove the people's allegiance, then the kingdom crumbles. In Genesis 3, we see a devastating blow occur. The the devil wins the battle. The two humans, our original father and mother, the ones with which would pass down our life, they believe the lie of the deceiver. He tells them, hey, hey, you can be your own God. You can call your shot. You can, you can make your own decision. Yes, God said this. Look, we don't have to, let's just, let's do one step out. You can still leave one foot in with God, have one foot out, best of both worlds. Eat the fruit. It's fruit. It's okay. They believe the lie of the devil And with that, sin entered the world and passed from our original parents down to every human being that would be born after. This is how every person's story begins. That that we are born outside of God's kingdom with an allegiance towards self before God. Selfishness runs deep, am I right? I don't have to convince you, you know. It runs deep. A willingness to live purely selfless, it's impossible because we're born with this nature outside of God's kingdom. We're born separated. But in Genesis 3, God made a promise that one day, the, the seed, the descendant of Eve would crush the head of the enemy and would have victory again and the door to God's kingdom would be opened again. That promise was in Genesis 3, Genesis 12, 2 Samuel 7. Isaiah fills the pages of the Old Testament that one day a new king would come and would offer entrance back into the kingdom of God. And Jesus shows up and he says, it's now. I am the king. The time is fulfilled. 
God's kingdom is coming back to earth again. And he gives an invitation, repent and believe. Most often when a king comes in and defeats the enemy, you don't get a choice. You're either going to submit to that kingdom or you're done. That's it. But with Jesus and his kingdom, there's an invitation given. There's an offer for you and I on the table to choose this day whom we will serve. Will we give allegiance to Jesus as king or will we continue to walk a life where we are king? Jesus says, repent and believe. The word repent means to stop and intentionally choose to turn and go another way. Here's what's true of humanity. We don't make that turn unless we believe that that is better. That's just how we are as people. We, we pursue that which we think is best for us. We, we are narcissistic human beings and creatures. We're created to chase after that which is best because our creator designed us to chase after that which is best, which is him. And so to repent and to believe is to have faith that that is better. And so we let go of life our own way. We let go of ourselves as king and we repent and we believe that Jesus is king and we surrender our allegiance to him. That's the invitation that Jesus is giving in Mark chapter one to the hearers of that day and to us today. Will you believe him? Will you trust him and surrender your allegiance to him as king? But here's the deal. There's no partial allegiance. There's no one foot in and one foot out allegiance. Allegiance is a total and full devotion and loyalty to one person or way or group. It's not split. And so the invitation given to you today that you and I have to do something with. And indecision is a decision. N not choosing is choosing. Not acting is acting. It's, it's choosing self. Repent and believe in the gospel of God. That his kingdom has come. Jesus is the king. And in full surrender and allegiance to Jesus, we are brought into his kingdom. What does that look like? We see it in these first four disciples, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, remember, they'd already met Jesus. We see that in John chapter one. John the Baptist had been talking about this one coming that was greater than him. They already knew of Jesus. It wasn't a, you know, I think we read this sometime. We're like, oh my gosh, this is the first time they saw that human being? They're crazy. No, they had seen Jesus. They had heard Jesus for a year now. And so Jesus now comes up. John's in prison and Jesus comes up and he says, hey, follow me. Trust me. Follow me. Before they ever take a first step, it is the first call of faith. Trust me. Believe in me. Surrender your allegiance to me. And then he says, and I will make you become fishers of men. Right? It's, it's that first 
belief of faith that moves us to step and then Jesus rewrites our lives. Jesus is our king and he tells us what we will do with our lives. And it says that immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, you've got James and John. They're fishermen. They're mending their nets. They've got, they've got a staff. They've got hired servants, right? Jesus says, hey, follow me. Immediately they let go of everything and they follow Jesus. And so what do we see that it looks like to repent and believe? These guys are professional. They have a career as fishermen, right? They, they make a living. They've got, they've got a staff. They've got family that rely on them. They, they've got a good thing coming. But to give allegiance to Jesus is to surrender our whole lives to him. He calls the shots. He tells us what our purpose is. He tells us where to go. He tells us how to live. And so to repent and to believe is to let go of everything and follow Jesus. Allegiance to Jesus it, we don't get to say out of one side out of our mouth, yes, Jesus, you are king, but I'm going to call the shot with my career. I'm going to still be a fisherman. Yes, Jesus, you are king, but my family comes first. I've got to take care of my dad. I know you're saying go this way, but I've got I've to take care of family first. Jesus, you are king, but my dreams, man, I've got to pursue my dreams. I've got a five-year plan. I've got a 10-year plan. This is where I want to be with my life. Jesus, you are king, but don't tell me what to do with my sexuality. Don't tell me what to do with my body. I'm going to love who I want to love. Jesus, you are king, but don't manage my finances for me. I'm just fine handling, handling my finances. Don't tell me what to do with my savings account. Don't tell me how to plan for the future. I got this, Jesus. Jesus, you are king, but I just can't let go of this sin. We don't get to give allegiance to Jesus and something else at the same time. To repent and believe is to lay down everything. To come to Jesus with open hands, to put everything on the table and say, you call the shots. You, you tell me where to go. You tell me when to go. You tell me who to love. You tell me how to live. You tell me what to do with my free time. You tell me what to do with my body. You tell me how to handle my finances. Everything is surrendered in full and total allegiance to Jesus. Simon and Andrew, James and John, they, they heard the call. They, they considered it and they left everything and they follow Jesus. Do you believe Jesus? Like, do you really believe Jesus? Are you willing to surrender allegiance of everything to him? When I was seven, I, I prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into my heart. I was scared of going to hell. Um, I, 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 hell was bad and it was forever. We, we, I, I grew up in the day where, I, I, I guess this was, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking, right? Where there was this tactic of, of, of scaring people of hell. And so I remember one, one pastor, I don't even remember where it was from, but he was like, you know, eternity in heaven or hell. Do you know how long eternity is? Imagine that there is a bronze ball the size of the earth. And every year a dove flies by and just brushes that bronze ball with its wing. 
By the time that that dove has eroded that bronze ball down to nothing, eternity will have just begun. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I think it was the first time like my little mind cussed. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do something with this, you know? And I was so scared of hell. And so I was told, well, if you ask Jesus into your heart, if you pray this prayer, then he forgives your sins and you go to heaven forever. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want heaven. And so I prayed this prayer once and then a second time because I wasn't sure that I got it right. And then, and then a third time because what if I got it wrong the second time? And then a fourth time because what if my motives were really not right? And then a fifth time and then a 32nd time and then a 400th time and then a thousand, right? I was I lived from seven to 15, still scared that I wasn't gonna get heaven and I was gonna end up in hell. And, and I know that may not sound like, oh, that's a big deal, but here's the reality of what I wanted at seven. I just wanted God's stuff. I just wanted heaven. I didn't care about God. I didn't want God. I just wanted his stuff. What mattered most to me still was me. From seven to 15, I I wanted heaven, but I ultimately wanted to live my own life. What mattered most to me on earth was my reputation, but as long as I still prayed this prayer the right way, I would go to heaven. Until one day at camp, God so clearly said to me, Corey, you can live for me or you can live for yourself, but you cannot do both. You do not get to give allegiance to me and to yourself at the same time. You give allegiance to me or yourself. Choose. And it was at that moment where it clicked that it didn't matter what prayer I prayed, how I prayed it. What mattered was do I trust and believe Jesus and am I giving my life to him? Do I trust that he alone is my answer? I've never been afraid of my salvation since. Because I realized it wasn't based on a prayer. It's based on do I trust Jesus? Where's your allegiance? Where's your surrender? Is it in him or, or is it in something else? That doesn't mean that I've been perfect. It doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect. The kingdom of God came that day, but it's not complete yet. It won't be complete until Jesus returns and completely removes the enemy and the devil. The devil's still attacking. The devil's still trying to pull us down. The devil's still trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And one day Jesus will come back and complete this mission and complete the battle. And then heaven, a new heaven and a new earth will reign forever with no sin and no struggle and no tears and no hurt and no death. But until that day, we're kind of in the in-between. The kingdom of God has come. We really can know God. We really can live in his power. We really can live free from sin. It is here. But there's also a battle still happening. There's also still struggle and, and disappointment happening. And so we, we repent and believe and then we're sealed by the spirit. We're forever his. But then there's times where we're still gonna fall and we have to repent and believe again. God, I'm sorry. I, I, I turned back to the kingdom of self, but I return back to you. I come back to you. 
And so this repent and believe, yes, it's a one and done thing, but it's also ongoing. The Bible calls that sanctification as we grow into the image of Jesus. And so you're in one of two places today. Every one of you in this room, anyone listening on the podcast or watching online, you're in one of two places. Either you've never trusted Jesus. The invitation has gone out. It's here. His kingdom has come. He is the king and he invites you to trust him and to lay down everything and follow him fully. And so perhaps you're in that place where you've never trusted him. And maybe you're wrestling and exploring, and, and that's, that's okay, that's great. This is a safe place to explore and ask questions. It's okay to not have it all figured out. But the invitation is given, and you've got to do something with that. Do you trust him? Will you surrender your allegiance to him? For others, you, you have given your allegiance. You have trusted him. But you've come into today with, with something else that you've put back on top, that you've risen back up to supremacy in your life. And, and the invitation of Jesus again is, lay it down. It's not gonna give you life. It's not. No matter what the lying, deceiving devil wants to tell you, it's not going to give you life. Jesus said his kingdom has come. The time is fulfilled. It is now for each one of us. Repent and believe in the gospel. What are you going to do with that? What's your response? Invite Charlie to come on up. Um, Jesus made it possible for us to be reconciled to God, ultimately through the cross. We, we read last week the temptation of Jesus where he came in and defeated the devil. Like he, he came in and established his kingdom because Jesus did not give in to temptation. He did not sin. He overcame the devil. But it wouldn't be until he, Jesus goes to the cross that he would deal the ultimate blow to Satan. Because it was on the cross that our sins were paid for. Our record of debt against God, Colossians 1 says, was nailed to the cross with Jesus. And so when we trust Jesus and give him our allegiance, then our full record of sins, past, present, future, all get supernaturally transposed onto the cross of Jesus and they are paid for and settled. It's in his broken body that our sins are paid for. It's in his shed blood that our record of debt and guilt is washed clean. Now a kingdom does no good if there is no king, right? Jesus died and was buried. The end of the kingdom. Except three days later, he rose from the dead and is alive today. Still 
as king. And the Bible says that God seated him on his throne in the heavenly places. Why does a king sit? Because he's got everything under control. Because he's in control and power. And so it's by his broken body and shed blood that Jesus makes a way for our sins to be forgiven. It's in his resurrection that he stands today, not just in Mark 1, but today. And he invites you and me to repent and believe in the gospel. If you've trusted Christ, he invites you to come eat and drink of his broken body and shed blood as a way to remember what he has done for you. But I want to challenge you and invite you to do something. When you come and you take the bread and the the juice, I want to invite you to take one piece in each hand. Just as a symbolic way to say, Jesus, I'm holding on to nothing but you. So if there's anything in your life that you're, you're just not ready to surrender yet, okay. It's okay to not be okay, but we're not gonna stay there. We're gonna keep moving forward. But maybe today's the day where you don't receive the Lord's Supper because allegiance to Jesus is, is full allegiance to Jesus. I hold on to nothing else but you. And so if you know in your heart that's true, You're holding on to nothing but him. There's no sins that you're unwilling to let go of. Come on and celebrate, eat and drink. Or if you know there are sins, man, the Bible's great. Confess them, repent of them right here, right now. And James says, you'll be healed. There's, you you return to refreshment in Christ. Come eat and drink. Celebrate again what Jesus has done. And if you've not trusted Jesus, that time is for you to now, right now too. Or right here, right now, you have the same invitation that Simon and Andrew and James and John had. Jesus stands here and invites you to follow him. Will you follow him? You give your allegiance to him alone. God, we... We're grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful that you did what I could not do. God, I remember that that night where you spoke to me and you told me so clearly, gosh, I still hear you, that I can live for myself or for you, but I can't do both. And so, Father, would you speak right now to someone in the same way? Holy Spirit, very clearly, not in judgment or condemnation. God, you you tell us in John 3 that you didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but you sent Jesus to save the world and to bring freedom and life. And so in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, Satan, you have no authority in this place to whisper lies to these people. Because Jesus, the King, has given his life and his blood for them. Be gone and removed 
And so God, we're here and we're listening. Speak. Speak life to your people. Real life. Give us the courage, the humility, and the faith to surrender all to you. And to know that when we let go of the world and grab onto you, that we are grabbing onto life. Full, abundant life. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.